Welcome to a Life of Freedom podcast, your source of inspiration and information on how and why you should choose to pursue your own happiness, pursue your passion, and design a life that fulfills you and makes it your own. And now here's your host, Ayesh LKZ. This is episode one of season two. Today I'm talking with Robbie Kramer dating coach, founder of Inner Confidence, and the host of Leverage Podcast. Let's get to the show. So, Robbie Kramer, so nice to meet you and uh, welcome to the podcast. So, my first question is, we like you to introduce yourself uh, so it would be better before I would tell something about it. Sure. Um, I can tell you a brief story about how I got into uh, being a dating coach. Someone, when people ask me what I do, um, I usually tell them that I'm kind of like Will Smith in the movie Hitch. Have you ever seen that movie? Uh, I haven't. Yeah, I need to check that out. Yeah. Uh, in, in the movie, he's a, a dating and relationship coach. Um, okay. And the way I got into this crazy line of work was I was, uh, I was never like totally clueless when it came to women and dating and confidence. Um, but when I finished college university, I kind of felt like I didn't know what I was doing as far as dating went, because before that time I'd always met women through, you know, my, my university classes or in high school or through my sort of friend groups. But when I started working and, you know, showing up to an office and having a nine to five job in banking, I just didn't really understand like how I was supposed to like go on quote unquote dates. Um, so I started going online and researching like dating advice and, and how to behave on a date and, you know, how to, what, what are some of the best practices? And I ended up finding this whole crazy world, uh, this whole like underground pickup scene and all these other personal growth gurus, and I just became kind of obsessed with the topic because I had never, I had never done anything as far as personal growth was concerned. I had never really looked in the mirror and analyzed my behavior and my confidence. So I just became totally fascinated with the whole study. I went to a gazillion workshops, boot camps, seminars, events, you name it, and I really set off on this path to understand social skills at a really deep level. And I met some crazy people along the journey, had a ton of experiences um, as far as my own dating life went. And what I started doing was just kind of keeping a blog of my adventures. You know, I'd go out at night and come back the next day and write up, you know, everything that happened that night. And I'd post it all on my blog just kind of for fun and as a way to connect with other people that were going through a similar sort of journey. And over time, guys wrote, they reached out to me and they were like, wow, I really love your blog. You seem to be doing pretty well. Do you think you could coach me? And I had never even considered what being a coach meant or, you know, whether or not I was qualified to coach people or not. That wasn't why I was blogging, but they offered to pay me money. And they said, listen, all I want to be able to do is, you know, meet more women, get more dates and not be afraid or anxious to talk to the the women that I find attractive. And I said, well, I could certainly help you do that. That's what I've been doing. <laughs> um, and that's kind of how I became a coach. And that was back in 2008 when I started my company. It's called Inner Confidence. And it basically just transformed from this blog into a uh, pretty large coaching business. And I've, I have a podcast called the leverage podcast, which I've also been doing since 2012. And now I coach guys all around the world on whether it's, you know, they want to just get more dates or maybe it's whether they want to find the one Uh, I'm recently engaged. So, you know, happy to say I did find the one Uh, or they want to go on, Thanks. Or they want to go, you know, and do crazy stuff like you see, like go on a, a yacht with a bunch of Playboy models and have a bunch of crazy sexual experiences. I can, you know, totally help guys do that. So regardless of sort of where they are, I usually can help them move from, you know, that place to where they want to be. And so that's the uh, that's my introduction, I guess you could say. Yeah, that's good. 
Um, so uh, when we talk about you being a dating coach, so how is your process like, you know, you, when you found like a complete new beginner at this and how would you go from there? How would I start with a beginner client? Yes. Uh, someone like, you know, who doesn't have much experience in this and you know, how, how do you like get him to improve? What kind of steps would you do? Yeah. So first I would explain to him what the dating marketplace consists of um, and what women find attractive versus what society thinks, uh, you know, attraction is because society has it backwards a lot of the time. Um, okay. For example, one thing that I always thought, I always thought, you know, the only thing that really mattered was how you look because yeah that's what I knew to be true for myself personally. You know, I would see a girl and I'd either be attracted to her based on how she looked or, or I wouldn't. And I assumed women looked at men in that same way. And of course they do, but that's not even close to the whole picture. And depending on where you're trying to meet women, like if you're only using online dating to meet women, that's really all they can go off of to, to get a first impression of you is how good do you look in your photos? So I know a lot of guys that are either really photogenic and they look better in photos than they do in real life, or a lot of guys who look better in real life than they do in photos. So obviously, you know, whichever side you are could be a huge advantage or disadvantage. And the interesting thing though, is none of that takes into consideration someone's confidence and the way someone carries themselves, their confidence, their body language, how they command a room, their voice tonality, what they're wearing, that stuff makes such a big difference. That that accounts for, you know, at least 50%, if not more, of what makes someone attractive. And obviously that changes a little bit. Men are tend to be a little bit more visual than women are. So as men, we are going to be more attractive to the physical stuff at first. But then the, the confidence and the other things, those intangibles, those matter a lot. So you can improve yourself greatly. And that was kind of what drew me into this line of work is I didn't, I just kind of thought like, okay, I'm, I'm an okay looking guy. So I can hope to date a, you know, pretty decent girl, but obviously the ones I really want, the ones I find the most beautiful, they're not going to be interested in me because I'm, I don't look like a model and that's total bullshit. Um, and proof of that is, uh, you know, my fiance is a model. <laughs> She's a lot better looking than I am. And, you know, I'm kind of a walking, talking uh, proof that looks don't really matter all that much. And, and you can really improve your looks a lot, but more so important, you can improve your confidence, your body language, your fashion, and all the other things that go into making someone attractive. So the first thing I do with any client is I help them to really improve their first impression. So I help them with their body language. I help them with their fashion. I help them with their tonality. And, you know, obviously all those things around how, to, what, what do you say to someone, how to start a conversation and right off the bat, they're going to be way more likely to, you know, have success than what they were doing before, because most of the guys I work with, they, they just don't really have much of an idea of what they're doing. It's not something they've really put a lot of time and effort into thinking about. Yeah, that's good. You talk about the movie Hitch and the Will Smith's character. So do you see like any difference between uh, like the movie character and how it uh, portrayed the life of a dating coach and what's like what's different from real life? So in the movie, of course, it's Hollywood, right? And um, that was very much focused on the character of Hitch trying to get the other character, one specific girl. And he was, okay. he was doing, uh, he was coaching him on how to attract this one woman that he really liked. And in reality, you know, sometimes clients do ask me to help them to get a certain girl, but that, that isn't usually my goal. And I tell them that isn't a good goal to have. What you should okay. do is you shouldn't be trying to pick up women. You should be trying to make yourself the most attractive version and therefore women will come to you. Because if you're focused on how to how to get something, you're always going to be operating with an agenda. You might come off creepy or disingenuous versus if you're just trying to make yourself a better version of you, then that's never going to be looked at or viewed at in a negative light. And that will allow you to attract the, the people that 
you know, are a better fit for you anyways. A lot of time guys will get hung up on one specific girl just because she looks a certain way, but that girl might be a horrible fit personality wise. Uh, or she might have, you know, a lot of toxic sort of, you know, <laughs> tendencies, or it could be a very unhealthy relationship. And an unhealthy thing to do is to really target one person, hire a coach to get that person and do that, that I would not recommend anyone do that. And that's kind of what happens. Like, it's like kind of being like a manipulative, some kind of thing. It could be, of course. Yeah. In the movie, there's some, some silly scenes where he sets up these, you know, uh, inauthentic or, or strange events to get the two characters closer together. Obviously it works okay. in the movie, but, and then I think she finds out about it. I forget how the end finishes, but um, just like a typical Hollywood movie, right? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so like also in the movies, uh, like a lot of uh, characters only go after like a one girl, you know, there's like focus on. So, what would be like the uh, kind of uh, disadvantages or something like that in that kind of situation? Well, what I try to tell my clients is you need to develop a, a dating funnel. And yeah. the way to think about that is, is like a sales and marketing funnel. If you want to grow your business, if you want to bring in customers, you need a funnel, right? You need to first target sort of what you're looking for, who, what, who you, your product helps. And then you need to get the word out to those people. And if you have different channels where you can do that, right, maybe you've got an online sort of marketing channel, maybe you have an in-person marketing channel, maybe you have referrals. Um, so the same thing is, is true with your dating life. Like, so what I teach my clients to do is first set up your online dating funnel, right? And obviously there's sites like Tinder, Hinge, and those all funnel kind of to Instagram and other social media platforms. So women can see that you're like a real guy, but you set up that online dating funnel. So that can bring in women into your life. Then you have uh, a social circle. You have your friends and your family and people that you know that can already vouch for you and they like you. And that's actually the best way to meet women is through your friends or through your family, because you already have that social proof. You're already someone who's quote unquote, you know, vouched for or, or pre-selected. And then the other way to meet women is by going out and approaching them, whether that's during the day when you're just going about your business, picking up the dry cleaners, going to the grocery store, going to get a coffee. Um, and that's actually my favorite way to meet women because most guys are too afraid to do it. And it's the hardest way, but if you know how to do it and you can do it in a way that's not creepy or weird, it can be incredibly effective and fun if you can get over the, the anxiety to do it. And then the last way uh, or the last like major way is to go out to bars or nightclubs or going to parties, things where single people tend to congregate to and trying to meet them there. And that can be good if you're the type of guy who likes those sorts of venues. If you like going out to bars or clubs or festivals and it's a thing you enjoy doing anyways uh, and, you're, and you're single, if you're not already using that as an opportunity to meet women, you should be. And the only reason why you wouldn't be is if you're scared to actually talk to them. So I help guys to that are into that sort of thing to go and create more opportunities in those environments. So those are kind of the four. You got online dating, you got your friends and social circle, you have approaching women during the day in a low energy type of environment, and you have approaching women in a night sort of high energy environment. And uh, those yeah. are the four areas of the funnel and they all funnel into, you know, going on dates and then hopefully making sure you're, you're doing a good job on those dates. That's one thing that guys are, are really, uh, they don't put a lot of thought into the sort of dates they're going on. They're, they're kind of doing the same thing that most guys do, which is go to dinner and go somewhere nice and hope that that dinner somehow turns into something after and eventually leads to, you know, some sort of intimate relationship, but they don't really think about the steps involved in that process. And that's one of the big things I help my clients do is really map out. What do you do on a date? Where do you take her? How does the conversation need to flow? What sort of vibe are you trying to create on the first date, second date, third date? How do you communicate with her in between those dates via text or Instagram or whatever sort of electronical means of communication you have um, and how to move that relationship forward? So whether you want to date just her or maybe you want to date a variety of women, 
and just have fun and have a lot of casual relationships or do that until you find one that you really click with and then, you know, potentially have a monogamous or a more serious relationship. But that's, that's kind of how the process works. I'm like, uh, so I'm not trying to get into like, you know, going to bars and kind of a night. So it's like, if it's like the sun goes down, I'm getting kind of lazy. So how would uh, someone like that would go to a next place, you know, just doing uh, like doing a proper approach, like just yeah. saying. So, so the best way to become comfortable approaching women is to take baby steps. Because we're we're having to manage our anxiety. And if I tell someone who's who has a lot of anxiety to go up to a beautiful woman and try to start a conversation, either he's not going to do it or he's going to do it in a way that where he's so nervous that he's not going to end up with a, a date or a phone number or anything useful. And he's probably just going to end up feeling maybe bad about getting embarrassed or rejected. So we need a, a slow, gradual process to make this something that's fun, manageable and effective. Right. And um, so the first thing I tell my clients to start with is social freedom exercises. And what those allow you to do is stop caring so much about what other people think about you. You stop caring so much about rejection and how you're perceived. Um, and simple things you can do is just Kind of what you said is you can start by, you know, try to try to ask a hundred people within 20 minutes for the time or for directions. And that's, you know, that's pretty hard. That's like, you're constantly going over to new people and you need to do that in a crowded environment where there's a lot of people walking around. But if you do that hundred saying hello or asking for the time or directions to a hundred people, probably around person number 20, you're going to start feeling like, this is easy or easier around 50. You're going to be like, okay, this is boring. Cause you know, I don't even care anymore. I'm no longer like you start feeling that, that social freedom I was talking about. And then you'll naturally just start having more legitimate conversations because that anxiety has gone away. And then you might even feel the, the desire to tell a woman she's beautiful or tell a guy like, Hey man, I really like your hat you know, cool. Have a nice day. Right. You'll start to become more warm. You'll start to become more genuine, more open. And, uh, and you'll notice that people will, your, your internal state will have a big impact on their internal state. When you have a ton of anxiety and you walk up to someone, you're essentially dumping your anxiety onto them. You're like an emotional, we're, we're, we're emotional creatures. So we connect through our emotions when, and we can feel other people's emotions very easily, you know, that we have that natural ability to do that. And women tend to do that a lot better than men. So if you've got a guy who's totally nervous and scared walking up to a beautiful woman, she's just going to feel that anxiety. And she's gonna be like, I don't want any part of that. I'm good. So we need to get rid of the anxiety first. So another great way to get rid of anxiety is to do things that are just intentionally embarrassing. So like, again, go to a crowded place and just lie down on the sidewalk like you're dead and try to stay there for a minute. And you'll see people will come over and be like, are you okay? They, you know, they'll, they'll think something's wrong. And if you can stay in that feeling of tension where you have these people looking at you and they're, they're worried about you, the longer you can stay in it, the better. Like if you can stay there for a minute, that's, that's usually enough time to, to stop really caring. Um, so that's a good one. You can walk out, you can, another thing you can do is you can go to like a McDonald's or a Starbucks. And when you go to pay, you can ask them for a discount, which of course they're going to say no to, but you're still getting in the process of, of doing things that are considered socially unacceptable, right? Because we, the way that we think is that approaching a woman during the day is not an acceptable thing to do. And you're right. It's, it's really not like, it's not, it's not something that people expect, but if you do it in a way that's, that's fun and flirty, that makes her smile, you can get away with it. So once, once you've done some of these things to get over your social anxiety, that's when I say, now you're ready to start approaching. And for some guys that could take a few, a few times going out, especially if you have a friend you could do this with, um, it makes it a lot easier because now you're reprogramming your own thought process to say, you know, when, when you go over and, and you start talking to someone and they, maybe they say, don't talk to me or they give you a dirty look and you go back to your friend and he gives you a high five. Now you feel good about doing it versus before you might've felt bad from the reaction that you just got. So 
you know, if you do have a friend to do it, that's great. And in all the programs I run, I pair people up and I help guys from all different cities around the world to work together. And it's a lot easier to do this when you have that support system. So once you, once you've done that, you've, you know, gotten to the point where you're like, all right, I'm ready to actually directly, you know, approach some women. Then what you, what you really need is you need to know what to say, right? Cause if you try to just go in and wing the interaction, you're not going to feel confident. You're probably going to say something stupid and you're just not going to get anywhere. So it's really important to have kind of what I call like a back pocket opening line. You know, it's, it's in your pocket. You can pull it out. It's obviously not like a piece of paper, but you have it in your mind. And the one that I like to use that I think is a great one for anyone to start with. It's, it's just a simple statement. It's, it's, Hey, I saw you and I had to risk embarrassing the hell out of myself to come over here and meet you. And of course, if she speaks English as her first language, or if she speaks very good English um, and you do too, that's, that's a good line. If she doesn't speak English, it's not a good line because she's not going to understand what the hell you're saying. She's not going to know what embarrassing the hell out of myself means. So you have to, of course, kind of, it, it can be like complex, uh, kind of too much words. To Sorry. It's not that. So like, I would say like, it can be kind of a complex, uh, like, you know, right. It's too much. It's a complex. What I tell my clients, um, you know, usually I, I live in Kiev, Ukraine, obviously not now given the war, but usually when my clients come to Kiev to work with me, most of the women there do not speak English. So what I tell them to do is just simply walk up and say, hi, you're very beautiful. I had to meet you. And everyone understands what beautiful means. Um, and simply that the best way to approach someone is by telling them what you're doing, what you want, and by making them laugh, by showing that you understand what you're doing is, is slightly weird, right? Another great line that can usually get a laugh again, if, if English is the first language is, Hey, not to be that guy that like hits on you at the gas station, but I uh, gotta be that guy. And essentially what you're doing is you're showing social awareness, which is funny, which shows that you're not a weirdo and shows her that, you know, you're probably not going to take out a gun and, and rob her. It, it makes her feel safe. And as a woman being approached by a guy who's bigger than you and probably stronger than you, that's a real fear, right? So you always want to make sure that they know that you're a normal person <laughs> um, and also telling them what you want and being direct about your intentions is really important because, you know, you can go over to a woman and ask her for the time or directions and then try to spin that into a conversation, but it's not, it's, it's usually not going to be received that well because they, they feel kind of like a bait and switch. They're like, okay, this guy didn't really need the time and directions. He just wanted to hit on me, but he's too much of a, of a wimp to actually say what he's doing. So in, in my opinion and from my experience, if you're going to stop a random woman during the middle of the day in a non-social environment, the best way to do it is by being funny and direct, right? Obviously, at a nightclub or a bar where it's normal to go talk to people, I wouldn't recommend doing that. I'd recommend a totally different approach. And same with online dating. I would not recommend that approach. So depending on where you're trying to meet women you need to tailor your approach to that situation. But like I said, meeting women during the day is I think the best, the, the best funnel you can build as far as dating goes. And if you just go up to women and let's just say you don't even need to, let's say you don't know how to continue the conversation. You haven't gotten that far, but I tell my clients the first time out is don't even try to stand in the sidewalk and have a conversation with a woman. Just go up and give them this elevator pitch. And the elevator pitch is, Hey, I saw you. I think you're beautiful. I had to come meet you. And I'd really love to stay and talk and get to know you if, if, if I could, but I I'm actually late for a meeting and I got to run. So how about this? Uh, give me your number. And if you don't like me, give me a fake one. And most of the time she's going to laugh and she's going to give you her number <laughs> or she'll tell you she has a boyfriend or she'll say, Oh no, thanks. Blah, 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 blah. But that, you know, it takes 15 seconds to say that. And if you do that 10 times, there's a pretty good chance if you're not totally full of anxiety and you're not totally scared because you've warmed up, you're probably going to walk away with at least one or two out of 10 phone numbers from, from good looking women. And if you can convert one or half of those into a date, 
right? If you do this 10 times and you get two phone numbers and one out of those 10 goes on a date with you, that is a way better return on your time than using something like Tinder or online dating or trying to meet women on Instagram. Cause it only takes, like I said, 30 seconds to do, do one of these approaches. 10 times 30 yeah. is, is, you know, 300 seconds. What, what is that? Like six minutes or something like that? A little less than five minutes. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you, so if, if you can get a date from five minutes of meeting women during the day, that's a hell of a lot better than you're going to do on Tinder. I promise. But guys are too scared to do it. So they don't do it. But all of my clients who go through this process, they almost all quit online dating. Cause they're like, this is so much more effective. It's fun. And the women look exactly like they do because you've met them in real life and you're not seeing a Photoshopped picture on uh, their Tinder profile. <laughs> so of, not only is, is this a great way to get dates, but it also transforms your confidence. If you can do this consistently, and I tell my clients, if they can do this 25 times a week, their dating life will be radically transformed. They'll go from someone who's, you know, who's involuntarily celibate where, you know, they're, they're not having sex or they, they can't get sex to where they have sex on demand where, you know, they've got different women that they're dating, where, you know, they can call one of those women up at any time and, and, you know, have fun and have a nice intimate night. And that process can happen over the course of takes most guys three to six months to get there. And it all comes from first improving your confidence, removing the anxiety, improving your appearance and how you look and how you carry yourself, and then going out and executing on this uh, dating funnel. So, um, like when you approach a woman, so sometimes like they would uh, like without responding with anything, they would like might just like you know ignore, like brush you away. Mm -hmm. so how can you get their attention? Uh, and you're talking about in in a daytime sort of situation, or at a bar, or a club, or yeah, yeah. a daytime situation. Yeah. So, if you ever have a woman just kind of turn your back on you or refuse to respond to what you said, um, there's no point in continuing to try to get her attention. You've already failed. And okay, yeah. that is only going to happen if you approach them and you stop them in the incorrect way. And what most guys okay. do is they don't approach um, with enough commitment. They'll kind of approach from the side and they'll be scared to interrupt the person. So they'll be meek and timid. Like, oh, excuse me, excuse me. And she'll just keep walking, right? Because beautiful women do get, you know, approached or harassed or, you know, people try to get their attention a lot. So if you do it in a way where you're, you're essentially like allowing yourself to be ignored, you're going to be ignored. Like think about the homeless guy who comes up and asks you for change. If, if a homeless person comes up and they're like, oh, excuse me, can I have it? You're probably going to be, oh, sorry, I'm busy. You're going to walk by him, right? But if that same homeless guy like gets in your face and he stops you, but not in a way to scare you, right? Because if, if he scares you, you're going to be like, yo, get, you know, you're going to start like protecting yourself. But if they do it in a way where you can't be ignored and it's a socially acceptable sort of distance and uh, the correct sort of volume in your voice, you're, you're more likely, you realize unconsciously, okay, it's better for me to actually communicate with this person than try to ignore them. And that's what you need to do when you approach women. You need to make it easier for her to communicate with you than it is for her to ignore you. And that's all about your approach. So that's one of the, the, the biggest things I teach my clients is how to actually stop women correctly. And that requires, like I said, the right amount of distance, whether if she's walking or if she's running or if she's sitting at a cafe on a bench, like those scenarios are slightly different, but it's all about that first impression and how you get her attention. And if you do that correctly, you're probably only going to get ignored like once out of 10 times. You know, some women are still going to ignore you, even if you do everything right, but it's going to be extremely rare um, compared to what most guys experience. Most guys get ignored, you know, seven or eight times out of 10, whereas I'm going to get ignored maybe once out of 10, maybe less. Yeah. So uh, how would you like, uh, like talk to someone if they're like, uh, like kind of walking uh, in front of you, uh, how would you talk to someone like that? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to 
I'm going to run. <laughs> um, and I'm not going to try to walk and just walk a little faster. I'm going to run because, you know, I want to get there as fast as I can. And there's no point, okay. there's no point in like waiting. Right. So I'm going to run and I'm going to run past them a few steps and I'm going to kind of hook around. I call it the hook and swoop. So you run past them and you kind of make like a hook formation and you get in front of them and you kind of put your hand out in a non-threatening way. They stop, stop, stop. And then as soon as she looks at you and, and makes eye contact, you kind of count one, 1,000, and then you deliver your opening line, right? So I saw you and I had to risk embarrassing myself to meet you, right? Um, and it's important that, you know, she's going to be walking. So if you get right in front of her, she's probably going to smash into you and she'll get scared and she might pepper spray you or something. I mean, that's never happened, but <laughs> you know what I mean? You have to leave a little bit of space in between when you kind of hook around and, and stop her face to face because momentum is going to take her closer to you when she's registering in her brain that someone's talking to her. So that's kind of the most important thing. Like imagine, and, and the way to, to think about this is imagine she dropped her wallet and you needed to give her wallet back, right? How would you do it? Well, you'd, you'd run as fast as you could and you'd jump in front of her without scaring her and be like, yeah, you dropped your wallet here. <laughs> and she'd be very thankful that you brought her wallet back. And the same thing applies here is she's going to be very happy that you approached her if you do this right, because she's going to be like, wow, this guy made my day. I can't believe I met someone. I wasn't, I wasn't even trying to meet anyone. And now this, you know, attractive guy stopped me and wants to take me out. This is awesome. So if you do this right, you're, you're, literally giving them a gift. And that's how you need to think about it in your mind. Not that you're bothering them or not that you're trying to sell them something they don't want. You, you need to, you know, obviously transform yourself into a guy that they want and then offer yourself. You're the product. Okay. So uh, you talked about uh, like going on instant dates, like uh, when you approach like in daytime, how would uh, that go? So an instant date, um, that will happen once you get a little bit more comfortable having conversations, you know, right. So what I recommended earlier was if you're not comfortable with this, you can just kind of do that elevator pitch, right? Hey, I saw you yeah. had to risk embarrassing myself, but I'm late for a meeting. Got to run. How about this? Give me your number. If you don't like me, give me a big one, right? That's, that's for the beginners. Now, once you get comfortable doing that, you can then stop doing that and you can try to have a, a little bit more of a conversation where you go with your opening line. She might have a reaction to that. Like she'll laugh and be like, Oh, nice to meet you. And you'd be like, all right. So anyways, um, I don't know. What do you say to someone who's you randomly meet on the street? Uh, what's your favorite color? What's your favorite power ranger? What's your favorite flavor of ice cream? No, really. So where are you from? Right. And then she'll be like, Oh, I'm from Detroit. Oh, cool. I'm from uh, LA. Whoa when did you move? When did you move here to uh, Vegas? And she's like, Oh, I've been living here for a few years, blah, blah, blah. And as she's talking, you want to notice what she's doing with her body. That's the most important thing. Cause her body is going to tell you everything you need to know. If she's standing there facing you and it's clear that she's not trying to like walk away, like you, you got to kind of look at her feet, right? The feet the feet sort of moving to where they're going will tell you that, all right, she's, she's being friendly and she's, you know, her lips are moving and she's talking to you, but she's really sort of drawn and her energy is still focused on going away from you and going to do this thing that she was doing. So if she's not doing that and she's also asking you a question. So the first, the first thing I do, if I don't make that silly joke about the, you know, the favorite color, favorite power ranger thing, like, let's say I don't even do that. Let's just say, I say, Hey, I saw you. And uh, you know, I think you're beautiful. I had to meet you. She'll be like, Oh, thanks. And I'll say, so, you know, what are you up to right now? Where are you coming from and where are you going? And she'll say, Oh, I'm coming from coffee, uh, met with a friend and now I'm going to yoga class. I'll be like, Oh, cool. Are you like, uh, you know, a yoga yoga light or one of these yoga obsessed people. Cause I know how obsessed people can be with yoga. And she's like, no, I'm just kind of like yoga light. I'll be like, cool. And then I'll, I'll keep the silence and it's an opportunity for her to ask me a question, right? Cause if I have to ask every question and I'm the one only driving the conversation that shows a very low investment on her set and on her side of the coin. So then if she says, what about you, where are you from? 
Now I'm like, okay, she's asked me a question. So that's a good sign. And her feet are not kind of walk, trying to walk away. She's physically like there and spending time talking to me. So she must on some level have some interest. So if we then kind of continue that conversation, now I'm from LA originally, you know, moved here, uh, got involved in real estate. And yeah, that's kind of my story. What do you do for work? And now she tells you, you know, oh, I'm in, I'm in marketing and sales. And uh, yeah, I've been working at my company for a few years, blah, blah, blah. Like, hey, anyways, um, I mean, as much as I love talking on the sidewalk, you got 10 minutes, let's grab a quick coffee. And then I kind of got to run, but uh, you down? And she'll be like, uh, yeah, okay, cool. Well, let's go. All right. Now, now we're going to get coffee. So that, that's literally an instant date. And, you know, everything I kind of made up there in that conversation is, is mostly irrelevant. The only thing that matters is her energy wanted to stay and talk to me. And rather than trying to have a longer conversation than, than it's normal to have on a sidewalk, like once we kind of get to that two and a half, three minute mark, it's normal to be like, Hey, instead of talking here, why don't we grab a coffee at the Starbucks around the corner? You got 10 minutes. If she likes you, she's going to say yes. If she doesn't, if she doesn't have time, she'll just say no. Be like, all right, cool. Well, how about this? Give me your number. If you don't like me, give me a fake one. So you should always go for instant dates. If she's, if she's talking to you and she's not body language motioning that she needs to leave because it's better to go and talk over a coffee than to stand on the sidewalk or stand in the line at the grocery store or wherever the hell you met her. It's always better to go and, you know, talk over a coffee or, or some sort of instant date, you know, grabbing an ice cream in the park or walking around after, you know, getting a, a lemonade, right? Those now you're, now you're kind of mentally on a date and that's much more attractive and a lot more interesting. So that's what I always recommend my clients who have gotten to a pretty decent level where they're comfortable enough to go over and speak to women during the day. And they can do that elevator pitch that feels easy for them. Like, all right, it's time to go out and try to get instant dates because it's way better to do an instant date than to just get a number and leave. Because odds are, you know, a number is not going to be nearly as solid as a number plus an instant date. Yeah, that's it. So uh, like after the instant date or you when you get the number, so how would you go from there to uh, like a first date? Well, the instant date is really the first date. Um, you know, it, that is the first venue of the first date. And one thing that I think is the most important thing for, I mentioned this earlier is guys need to understand how to quarterback a first date, how to execute a first date. And you need to understand the, the energy shifts in a date. Most, most dates or most sort of seductions. Um, it's funny. There's kind of like this seven hour rule. Um, most people feel comfortable enough to sleep with each other after around seven hours. And um, if you look at a lot of ways that couples get together, they usually go on three to four dates or two to three dates, and then they sleep together. And then, you know, they start sleeping together consistently, and then they kind of just become a couple. But what happens in those seven hours is pretty important because that's going to dictate whether or not you sleep together, of course. So if you do get an instant date, now you're on what I call the first venue of the first date. And the first venue of the first date is always just about simple connection. You're just having a conversation, getting to know each other, small talk, um, finding out about each other. I call it light rapport or wide rapport, right? You're talking about a lot of different subjects and you're seeing where you have connection points. You know, if I find out she's into golf, then that's amazing because I'm really into golf. And then we can go deeper and talk about golf because that's something we're both emotionally invested in. And that's what you're looking for. You're looking for, for common things that you're emotionally invested in, whether that's hobbies or sort of ideas. The one thing you want to stay away from on a first date is politics and religion, because those topics, they can be very interesting and it can lead to really interesting conversation, but it's not very sexual or intimate. And a first date is all about sort of like intimacy and, and, and finding out if you have sort of a chemistry and that sexual attraction and talking about politics will not do that. Talking about religion will not do that. So avoid those topics, but find other connection points, things that you're both emotionally invested in and talk about those things. So that's the first venue. That's what you would do on an instant date. You'd spend 30 minutes, you know, you'd grab a drink or you'd grab a coffee and you just 
have like a normal back and forth conversation, just like you'd have if you're catching up with a friend. And as the time goes on, you'll notice that, you know, it becomes more comfortable talking to that person. Uh, you start to feel a little bit more at ease. You start to feel like you know them better. And that's when I suggest changing venues. And you could do this at, on an instant date. If she has time, you know, like why stop at just the first venue? You can go to a second venue. And what I recommend for a second venue is somewhere where you can sit side by side. Right. So your your shoulders are able to touch. Right. And in the first venue, it doesn't matter where you're sitting. You can sit across from her. You can sit next to her. You could be you know, walking around in a park. It doesn't matter. Walking and talking is a great first venue. But on the second venue, you want to be sitting side by side because that allows you to kiss if you're attracted to each other. You don't want to have to make some big move to go and kiss her, which you would have to do if you're sitting across from her at a table. It'd be very awkward. And it wouldn't be very well received. And the second venue of a, of a date is where I like to play the questions game. And the questions game is a great way to just kind of cut through the bullshit and get to know someone on a much deeper level. And it's fun. And it's kind of like truth or dare without the dare. So I'll literally say to her, I'll say, hey, let's uh, let's play a fun little game. I'm sure you played it before. It's called the questions game. Uh, I'll explain the rules. It's really simple. There's three rules. And the first rule is I ask you a question, you answer, and then I also answer my own question and then we reverse, right? So you have to answer the question you ask. That's rule number one. Rule number two is you have to be honest, obviously, or the game is boring. And rule number three is you have to ask a question that makes the other person either slightly embarrassed or uncomfortable because this is what makes the game fun and gets us to really get to know each other in a, <laughs> in a faster way. And she'll be like, all right, cool, let's do it. And then you dive into the game. And the first question I always like to ask is, you know, what's your spirit animal? Just because it's a stupid, silly question about, you know, spirit animals and it gets people talking about, you know, like what, what sort of animal they're like. And it's just kind of fun and silly. And then she's going to ask you a question. Then you go from there. The next question I like to ask is what's the thing you've been in the most trouble for, or when did you get like, you know, like the most embarrassed or the most trouble for, and then the next question I like to ask is tell me about your worst date, right? And then I'm going to also have an answer for all these questions too. And I know my answers ahead of time. So it allows me to, to have, you know, I'm already prepared. I know what I'm going to say. And I know it's going to be something that makes me look good and not make me look like an idiot. I don't know what she's going to ask me though. So that's, you know, that's always going to be interesting. So that's the third question. Worst date. The next question is where's the craziest place you've had sex. And that will always lead to some interesting stories. Uh, and then the last question I'm going to ask her is if she has any, like, what are your, uh, do you have any like kinks or say or crazy sexual fantasies? And that will obviously lead the conversation more in the intimate sexual direction. Now I might not ask that fifth question if she's uncomfortable with my question about the craziest place she's had sex. Right. So, and a lot of the time, if a woman likes me, she's going to ask me about sex in the first, second, third question already. But what you don't want to do is immediately start asking her about sex. Cause then it just, you just look like a guy who's thirsty for sex and doesn't get a lot of sex and that's unattractive. So after playing that game, odds are, you know, the conversation is going to be spicy. We're going to be really connecting and talking about some intimate stuff and she's going to be giving me more verbal or sorry, nonverbal signals that she wants to kiss me. And that's what I'm going to be really looking for. And the way that she's going to do that is, you know, we're going to be sitting side by side. She might be touching my leg. She might be, you know, touching my arm when I'm, when, when I say something, or she might be emphasizing a point and she'll touch me. But if, and what I'm not doing is I'm, I'm not touching her a lot. I'm only touching her if she's touching me back. And if two people are attracted to each other, that's probably going to be happening pretty frequently and it's going to feel comfortable. And if, you know, toward, towards the end of that game, usually around two and a half hours will have passed on that date, right? 30 minutes for the first venue, maybe like an hour and a half, two hours playing this questions game. Time's going to fly because you'll be having fun. <laughs> then I might lean over. I'm going to look her in the eyes. I'm going to look down at her lips. I'm going to look back into her eyes. And if she doesn't get weird, I'm going to try to kiss her. Cause that's kind of like the, you know, everyone knows if you look at their eyes and you look down at their lips and the back of their eyes, they know what you want. They know you want to kiss them. And 
if she wants to as well, she's going to do the same thing. And then I'll slowly move in, you know, 90% of the way. And I'll let her come the next 10% of the way, which is actually in the movie hitch, which is great advice. Never go the whole hundred percent. You got to go 90 and let her come the last 10%. Otherwise you're just forcing a kiss on her and no one wants that. And then we'll kiss. And, uh, you know, now we've crossed that imaginary border where we're no longer friends or acquaintances. Now we're, we have some sort of, you know, intimate sexual connection that's likely going to, you know, go somewhere deeper. And now if you want to end the date there, right after the kiss and after a little bit more conversation, that's fine. That's a great place to end the date. But if you want to try to continue on, whether that's on this date or the next date, the next venue, the third venue is some sort of couple's experience. And that's what traditionally people start with their dates on. And that's why it sucks. Like now for the third venue, if I want to take her to see a show or I want to take her to a museum or I want to take her ice skating or doing something that a couple would do, we're going to have fun doing it because we're going to be interacting and touching each other. Like a couple, we've already kissed. We already feel comfortable with each other and more time spent together on, with that vibe is just going to make us connect faster and easier, which is going to lead to sex and more intimacy. But if we haven't done that and I take her ice skating and we don't have that physical connection, it's just going to be kind of awkward because we're going to be focused more on the conversation while trying to ice skate. And that doesn't work, right? If, if the focus of the, if the focus needs to be on conversation, you want to be just somewhere where the only thing that matters is a conversation, having a drink or having a coffee, even having dinner is not a great place to have a conversation because you got food in your mouth, you're eating, the waiter's coming over and, and, you know, interrupting all the time. You got to look at the menu, figure out what you want while at the same time trying to hold a conversation. That's why dinner dates are shitty first dates. Like don't take women on dinner dates for the first date. They're terrible. Every guy does it and they don't understand why it sucks, but you know, now, you know, <laughs> don't do that. Um, you know, do drinks or walk have a coffee and then do, you know, somewhere where you can sit side by side in a, a more like cavernous, quiet environment, um, somewhere like a lounge and then do a couple's experience. Then you could go to an arcade or play ping pong or play pool or walk around the park or go to a museum or do something. doesn't matter what that a couple can do because obviously couples can do anything. And then during that third venue, right, you're more focused, not on the conversation, you're focused on what, what you're doing. And odds are the sexual tension and the sexual chemistry will just be increasing, increasing, increasing. One thing I liked used to do is I would do these dates in New York and I'd try to go through all four venues on the first date, which would lead to us having sex at the end of the first date. So first we'd started a little dive bar next to my house and we'd sit there for 30 minutes. Like I said, get, do the getting to know you conversation. Then we'd walk five minutes to the W hotel in union square. And we'd go to the olives lounge. And it was a, a martini lounge. We'd order martinis, sit on the couch, play the questions game. Then we'd kiss. And if she didn't seem like she had to go home, I'd be like, all right, next spot. We'd jump in, a, in an Uber. We'd go a few blocks away to a bar called Ace Bar. And we'd have a couple's experience. We'd play... Uh, We'd play like ski ball and that the basketball shooting game, pool darts. They just had a bunch of games, a street fighter two old style, like, you know, those, those uh, arcade games. And we'd be flirting, making out, touching each other, like having fun, acting like little kids. And then, you know, typically if, if she seemed into it and we're both a little tipsy, usually at this point, had some drinks, I'd be like, all right, next stop. We jump in an Uber. She'd be like, where are we going? I'd say my place. Don't worry. I'm going to be an 86% gentleman, right? Which is essentially saying like, I'm going to be, I'm going to be cool. But obviously I, <laughs> 86% gentleman, not a total gentleman, but mostly a gentleman. Then we'll go back and we'll probably end up having sex. And uh, it'll be a, you know, a great first date, which will hopefully lead to more fun and more sex in the future. And maybe she's my girlfriend or, you know, maybe we both want something casual. And uh, if you're doing that a few days a week, you're going to have lot, lots of women in your life. You're going to have lots of fun sexual experiences, going to meet a lot of cool people, um, and your life's going to change. So that is kind of how to execute a first date and kind of that whole funnel I mapped out there. Yeah, that's great. So uh, let's say if, uh, if, like if you had to end the date in like the first venue, so like she has to go somewhere. So how would you continue with the other ones? So like, how do you like get them to come to 
like a, like a second date uh, at a some some other venue like in a different day like how would you go from there so if you take her on an instant date and she doesn't have time to go to a second venue what do you do yeah yeah so you know it if she has to go after 20 minutes of having a coffee right if she agrees to go for coffee on an instant date she's probably going to have 20 minutes 30 minutes and that's all the that's all the time you really need and okay in that time, hopefully you've made a connection, right? Like if you don't make a connection and you just find nothing that you have in common and the energy's off, you're probably not going to get a second date, right? You, you're probably not going to want a second date with her anyways, because you're just like, eh, I'm not feeling the vibe. Um, but if the energy is good, then you follow up with her via text. Um, you know, you, it doesn't matter really when you text her, you can text her 20 minutes after you leave. You could wait till the next day or the day after that. It, just, it really doesn't matter a whole lot. And, um, you know, that's another big thing that I cover is, is how to follow up with women and how to text. Cause that's so important. I even have a texting course on exactly how to do this with text that you can just kind of copy and paste if you want. But obviously I give you the strategy and the mindset behind that. Cause if you're just using tactics and canned messages that can really backfire. If, if you look, you know, like you're, like you're doing that, you want to look, you don't want to look like you're doing that. <laughs> um, yeah. But I'll follow up with her. I'll make some joke, some callback humor about something we discussed. And if she likes yeah. me, she's going to respond back with some, you know, also some humor, which is going to be us just flirting, right? We're both making jokes. That's, that's what we call flirting. Um, we'll have a couple messages back and forth. And then I'll ask her when she's free for, for a next date. And then I'll go through that dating protocol again. But I won't start at venue two. I'll start again at venue one. I'll repeat okay. yeah. the last venue. And that's important. If you do, if you take a woman out on a on date and you get through two venues, right? When you start the next one, you repeat venue two, right? So if we did three venues, okay. when I start on the next date, I repeat venue three before trying to, you know, go home to my place or her place. So that's important is to repeat the last venue because you need to get acclimated again. Thank you for listening to the first half of our conversation. The second half will be published next week. Please leave a review and subscribe from wherever you listen to our podcast. See you next time.